0: What we do, and I'm just kidding, guys. Hey, uh, just real quick before, it's another one of my famous uh, patented weird audio episodes. I don't know why it happened the way that it did, and it's not super um, annoying or disruptive in regards to what the content is, but it's good to mention because I tried to uh, edit most of it out before. Uh, I posted it and got what I could. So uh, please enjoy the show and sorry for interrupting the music. You guys are probably ready to groove and I messed that up. So uh, enjoy the show. What we do here is go back, 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 back. <laughs> how's it going guys welcome back to the table talks podcast this is your lovely colored commentator eddie and today i have an extraordinarily unique and pretty fun episode planned for you guys uh today i'm talking to a a podcaster herself um who started her podcast based on her life story which i'm really excited to kind of dive into and get to know so without further ado i introduce you guys to jackie jackie how are you doing today
1: I'm great. How are you, Eddie?
0: Doing pretty good. Now, Jackie, where are you from? Just so we have a, a reference of uh where you're at right now. I am in Billings, Montana. Ooh. Okay, so side note, I've heard Montana's absolutely gorgeous. Is that like a is that true or not?
1: Oh, yes, it's true. I was just out <laughs> I was just outside this morning, just uh oh, admiring the beauty. I love Montana. Love it.
0: So is it just open or is it is it more of like a um like is that more for hunting is it more for hiking is it just just beautiful in general there's
1: a little there's a little bit of everything there's boating there's skiing there's hiking there's fishing there's camping there's it's just a very um it's it's a unique spot for if you're an avid outdoorsman which i am um you have to be kind of creative sometimes (laughs) during the winter season and what you can get out and do uh, I'm thinking about taking up snowshoeing if it starts snowing again, but it's, it's gorgeous. I've been here since 81. I moved for a couple of months. I went back home to Cleveland and I was back in four months. I will never leave this place again. I love the really? people. I love the scenery. I just love the way of life out here. It's just, it's me.
0: Did you okay? So did you? You didn't grow up there. You you moved there and then fell in love, left a little bit, and then just decided that was it.
1: Correct. I was put here against my will in 1981, so I've always (laughs) kind of fought it,
0: and I always wanted
1: (laughs) a little foreshadowing there. Yes, Nice, nice, nice. Um, I always wanted to get back home. I would save up all my money and go back home to Cleveland twice a year, and I thought, you know. I'm going to move back home for a couple of years. And like I said, that lasted four months and I just missed it out here. It's just, there's nothing like it. Montana is just wonderful.
0: I That's love awesome. it. Are you a big sports person?
1: <laughs> um, Somewhat. Last night, um, I had a couple <laughs> of um, heart attacks. Um, right. Still recovering from the Pittsburgh Cleveland game last night. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was a madhouse in Montana in a little bar in Laurel, Montana. It wow. was a madhouse.
0: Well, I'm so, sure that yeah, like, your blood was like just boiling because it was like, oh, here we, we're finally doing oh this. God. And there's a the oh rivalry God. and everything.
1: Oh, the huge rivalry. And Cleveland is notorious for shitting in the bed in the last couple of minutes, <laughs> whereas Pittsburgh is notorious for pulling things out of their behind the last you know
0: i can't stand pitching don't do that
1: (laughs) right right so you know up until the last minute it didn't you know the score was irrelevant to me up until the last minute i was really just holding my breath everybody was oh no they got it no they don't don't say that
0: don't (laughs) jinx us oh i'm a raiders fan so don't even get me started um oh (laughs) okay i feel for you (laughs) that's awesome well i'm happy that you're here jackie i would love to start out um just with a backstory before we get into specifics about what is so unique about how you got put into Montana and kind of giving the audience just an idea of who you are and what your, what your story is.
1: Well, my father was a quite notorious Hell's angel back in the seventies and eighties, sixties, seventies and eighties. And he flipped on his own club back in 1981. And I was put into witness protection. And at seven years old, seven years old, I was put into witness protection and they moved out here to lovely Billings, Montana.
0: So So, uh, as a seven-year-old girl, I mean, do you have like early memories about what was going on or was it ever really talked about? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, so you knew what was going on. You're like, okay, that's a, dad's work is a little more serious than you, than you understood, or was it very open in the family?
1: Um, you know, I didn't understand the, um, the finer points, I guess, the, the undertone of the situation, okay. um, you know, what was really going on. I knew I was in witness protection, um, i grew up around the Hells Angels. I grew up in the, in the clubhouse. You know, they were at our house all the time. We had parties. Um, all of the other kids in the club were my cousins. All of the club members were my uncles. I still call them uncle, you know, to this day. I was very comfortable with that lifestyle. And then all of a sudden I was told that, you know, watch out for motorcycles. If you hear or see a motorcycle, you need to get in your house and, you know, hide. And that was just a... Um, I mean, imagine what that does to a seven-year-old kid. It's surreal thinking about that that was me. You know, I'm I'm telling you this story, but I still can't believe I went through that. It was, you know, it was was a crazy time. So I'm told all of a sudden I have to be afraid of the Hells Angels that they're trying to kill us, which they never were, which is a completely (laughs) uh, other, you know, part of the story that is why I'm, you know, so vocal to to this day about what I went through because I didn't have to go through what I went through.
0: Right. And then it, it you see hindsight's 2020 20 as well. And after the fact you're kind of like, Holy moly. Like that's, that's not like a, a small, like a, you know, relocation thing. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, exactly. Yeah. You, it was. In, go ahead. No, when you, I was going to say when you, when you left and ended up in Montana, was it day to day, like worry or was it, was it pretty, you know, you're you're good here and i mean I, i'm just not familiar with how that whole that whole relocation thing works because it's, it's all government right it, the government is the one that is in charge of you know making sure that you're safe that's what witness prediction is
1: so initially we were taking my mother um left my father and he decided that he was going to leave the club soon after so we were actually down in florida my mother took us and moved us to florida And my father flipped on the club. Uh, The marshals found us down in Florida and cornered my mother and said, you know, you're in danger, yada, yada. We need to get you out of here. Butch isn't going to um, join the WITSEC or anything without you. You know, if you don't join, um, you're putting your whole family in danger of being killed. So we were taken out of the house in the middle of the night, uh, just like the movies and put in a safe house in Tampa. And it was a giant house where we lived through. We were there for Thanksgiving. I have pictures of the marshals at the table and us and other people that were staying in the safe house. We spent Christmas there, New Year's there, and then they moved us to Billings in February. We were, um, I remember my parents talking to the, um, to the feds, you know, secretly around the table in different rooms, serious talks, but us kids were made to go outside and play in the pool or in the sand hills at the safe house. So we were, you know, made to feel like children, but still, you know, there was school time where I'd have to practice my new name and my story and just odd things like that that a child shouldn't have to go through. And then we were subsequently moved here in February in Montana, no car, nothing. We were put in a horrible motel, which still, um, (laughs) you don't know me, but I'm angry right now just thinking about where they put us. It was a disgusting rat. I am no princess by any means. Okay, I am perfectly okay with staying at a uh, Motel 6. You you know, I, I don't have to stay in a too classy of a place, but this place was disgusting. And, and that's the, the, fact that, I, the oh,
0: government is involved and is in charge right, of it.
1: Right. Right. And I was just talking to I was bitching to an old parole officer, not mine, but just a friend. And I was like, why did they put us there? And they said, well it's right next to the federal building. They could keep an eye on you. And I said, well that makes sense, but it was disgusting. I mean, geez. The ho- you know, there was another hotel that was right there, too.
0: <laughs> You're like, wait but a
1: minute. <laughs> I, I know. It was the Sheridan. Why couldn't we stay at the Sheridan? Oh, but crazy. we were put in this motel and, um, you know, just we were there for about two months. I remember playing in the snow piles out in the parking lot with the other kids that were staying in the motel. And it was just we just, we didn't want to be there. We came from Florida. We wanted to go home, you know, and we didn't understand. We were confused. It it was a very different time. And there, you know, we didn't hear any motorcycles in February, but once it started warming up and there are a couple of MCs around here, but, and I was always looking for the patch, the Hells Angel patch. I just remember that every time I heard a motorcycle, we were scared.
0: Right. Did you have siblings or no?
1: (laughs) I do. I have two younger siblings.
0: So they were not born yet? Or they... No, they
1: were born. So I was seven. My sister was, my sister, Jamie was six. And my brother, Jeff was three at the time, I believe.
0: Okay. So you're going through this process of getting relocated, um, getting a five-star, I mean, not a five-star hotel experience. Um, and how do they, how do they sit you kids down and explain that to you in regards to like, it not being a normal thing like they probably made it seem like it was okay but you obviously were smart enough to understand that that is not normal it's not a normal situation for most if not any kids to go through and like there had to have been something weird going on for that to happen. So did they sit down with paperwork and say, this is your file, this is your file kind of thing, or was it?
1: No, no, nothing like that. For the most part, it was really kept secret from us, except for the fact that, you know, we needed to watch out for motorcycles and that the Hells Angels were no longer our friends and nobody on bikes, nobody on a motorcycle, you know, was our friend. So we were not um, to tell anybody that we were from Cleveland. That was about it, you know, for the we were really kept in the dark. It was lots of secret conversations, but I still knew what was going on. They let us know certain things at seven years old. They're not going to tell me too much, but they are telling me to lie my whole. And it was so confusing. I just remember my whole life. We were, you know, you're told not to lie as a kid.
0: Right. And then I have this huge.
1: that my name was, my name went from Jacqueline Angelique Crouch to Jacqueline Ann Taylor. My father's name was uh, Charles Taylor, I believe. Okay, He went from Butch Crouch to Charles Taylor. <laughs> um, just, and we weren't from Cleveland. We, you know, never talk about motorcycles, never talk about the Hells Angels. Um, we had no contact with any family members. We were not allowed to tell anybody. I knew that we were on the Witness Protection Program but we weren't divulged too much information. We weren't supposed to talk about it. Just don't talk about it. Right. You know, if people asked us where we were from, we were from Florida.
0: Okay. Interesting. And do you know what the reason for your father wanting to turn on the club was? Was it for safety for you guys or was there something else that that kind of happened? You
1: know, the question of the century, there's so many, there's so many, you know, different aspects and, different X factors, I I guess you could say, to why did he flip? I don't know to this day. Um, Zach Levitt and I have talked extensively about that. And he knows the story better than my family just about. He's very, uh, he's really, really dove into this. Um, But you know, we, we have that talk quite a bit and we don't know. Did he flip because of the Sigley bombing? um there was a bombing in 1975 where a baby was killed and that was when i was a baby as well and a lot of people think that that had something to do with it i'd like to think that that had something to do with it he said he didn't want he said that it was he was tired of the murders um tired of all the killings but um you know and then there is he owed the club money and he was tired of the lifestyle you know that's we, we'll never know we, we never will, but you know, he, he did it. And I am living with that every day of my life as well as the rest of my family.
0: Right. Okay. So you grow up in Montana. You, you go to, to, to middle school and high school there and then you end up staying there. What's the story after you get old enough to find a, kind of make decisions on your own?
1: Um. Yeah. I, you know, I, I went through a rough time growing up. Um, Not, you know, I I was in counseling here and there, but once I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol, I started getting really loose lipped and talking a lot about my situation that I was never supposed to tell anybody. And I just, I didn't care anymore. And I started telling everybody Mm. and, um, people didn't believe me. It just, and I went down a, a pretty rough road when I was about 18, 19, 20, lots of drugs and alcohol. And um, I kind of screwed my life up for a little bit, and I straightened up my early 20s, got my GED. I didn't graduate from high school, nor did my sister, nor did my brother, all three of us. And we come from a pretty well-educated family, um, I guess, blue-collar educated, I guess. um, None of us graduated from high school. Uh, I went and got my GED, and I ended up just kind of doing a lot of service industry work, Waiting tables, bartending, and then I went to college, and I decided that I wanted to help troubled kids like I was.
0: Right. So that
1: became my career path for a while.
0: No, but you know, out I I, of that, I just I would like to ask. Sorry, not to interrupt you, but go ahead. Um, growing up with that too, what was it like when you were telling people? Um, I mean, was it kind of like a a weird look, or was it just kind of like oh she's crazy kind of thing? Or how would you? Because I mean, only you would know how you felt. So how how would you describe that?
1: Um, you know, my close friends be- believed me. There was a couple of friends. Um, I am going to put her on blast, Kelly Erskine.
0: <laughs> she, <didn't, laughs>
1: she never believed me. And we didn't have Google back then. I didn't have any paperwork as a kid. And that's another issue that I have with the Marshals. Um, I didn't have my own agent. I didn't have my own worker. And I had, you know, I had to go through my mother, which you know, I was kind of at her mercy, I guess. I, I really was. She didn't provide me with any information. So when I would tell people it was a relief for me, but if they didn't believe me, it just, it angered me. And I, 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 I was very angry and violent during that age. Um, my teens okay. and it, <laughs> It it just brought up a lot of, I guess, issues, and I didn't like when people didn't believe me, but I had no way to verify it back then. So when I finally went to the papers in 2008, I believe, uh, Kelly Erskine called me. I had told her in 1990 my story, and 18 years later, she called me and said, wow, you were telling the truth? Oh my gosh, I I had no idea. I always thought you were lying. I'm like, what have you ever known me to lie? well, I don't know. That's just a pretty far-fetched story. And, and she's right. It was. So I don't believe, I don't blame people for not believing me, but that's a tough thing to go through.
0: And it's one of those things too, that you wish people would believe you, right? Like, like, so totally example, but hopefully it relates to this. It's like, you're watching one of those movies where it's like, you have to believe me. Like the, the main character is like, you have to believe me. Like, I don't know. And you turn to the person next to you, like, you'd believe me. Right. Like, and they're like, Oh, totally. But then like, Right, you're actually put in a real life situation where, yep. you're you're saying something that seems kind of crazy, and you're hoping that this trusted friend or whoever is gonna be like, oh, I know you well enough to know that's a fact, and yeah, that would eat up <laughs> like you probably did for you,
1: right? And I, you know, I got the oh yeah, just like you're on the witness protection program. Remember that one time you were drunk and you were telling us you were on the like, oh my god, I am. You know, yeah, uh, yeah it, was, it was
0: pretty crazy. Yeah, well, pigs can fly. You're like, okay, okay, I'm going to whoop your ass first off. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> awesome. So you get, you you grow up and then you, when do you start? Well, okay, before we get there, I, I'm jumping the gun. That's do okay. you know where your, your father was in regards to ranks with the Hells Angels?
1: Um, He was vice president of oh my the Cleveland God. Oh my Yeah. God.
0: You know, he wasn't just like a, a runner or anything. He was the guy, he was one of the guys.
1: Oh, he was one of the guys. He um, actually was one of the founding members of the Banditos in the 60s. And a couple of years after he helped form the Banditos, he took his coat off. And Sonny Barger uh, called him <laughs> for a meeting and wanted him to start some clubs for him up oh. in the Northeast States. So he actually did a lot of recruiting and um, help start a lot of different clubs up there
0: right and then in regards to those clubs too um when when people first hear about these these motorcycle gang clubs they think of like big violent like mean people um i mean just generally uh Mm -hmm. and i mean when we talked before this podcast i was i think i was asking you know is it would you like me to call it a gang or a club and I feel like a lot of like the research that I was doing and the kind of kind of reading some of the information that I got sent from you was that it was more of a family thing. It was more of like a family totally like vibe. And it wasn't it wasn't really like, you know, don't talk to Butch because he's going to smack you for even disrespecting him like that. It wasn't like mobster, like um, cartel, like attitude kind of thing. It was family Sure, it was really
1: family oriented. I have like, I'm thinking about it right now. And just, it was just, it, it was a good time in my life, believe it or not, you know, the, and that's why I was so confused as a young kid. I was taken away from that, taken away from my grandparents and I didn't see any violence, um, that I remember. i really, you know, I've really dug deep and I don't remember seeing any violence, and we, we did stuff together all the time, uh, multiple times a week with the club. You know, our families would get together, barbecue, just we were together all the time. And there was just, I didn't see anything like that. So it was really confusing when I was told that they were trying to kill us. It didn't make any sense to me because I'd never, I knew they all had knives and guns. Uh, that was just normal. I didn't think that that was abnormal. Everybody had a knife on their belt.
0: <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, I...
1: I- that's just how i grew up i didn't see any any violence like that you know i just there's gun shooting here and there and things like that but i didn't i didn't see that
0: gun shooting as in like at other people or
1: oh god no no there was no violence i was, there was, I was just like nothing. wait a minute no no
0: no no you You're know like, there was wild. murders and there was like oh no, I, no it's fine <laughs> i'm like wait, wait, wait. Just,
1: <laughs> no you know getting drunk and, um a barbecue at night or something like that. Cause we did a lot of that. Um, a lot of bonfires, all night parties, things like that. Kids running around, you know, it was, it was, it was fun.
0: Right. That <laughs> we had so like, much fun. That sounds really fun. So <laughs> that's just like, I can see where the confusion and the anger and the frustration comes when like all that basically all taken away from you.
1: Right. And I, you know, I missed them. I missed all of my cousins um, and I, you know, that it, it stunk. It did. It, it really sucked back then.
0: Right. Well, dang. Okay. So then you get old enough to know what's, what's what, and then what's the turning point to make you f- kind of find out more information or, uh, you know, basically what you started your podcast based off of.
1: Um, you know, probably back when I was honestly the whole when when it really started, I've been thinking about this a lot. I know this is terrible, but I was getting into drugs about 18, 19, and I I was kind of paranoid that somebody was following me. And I don't think anybody was following me. I think it was just some bad dope that I was doing back then. That was a long time ago. That was like 19, shoot, 94 maybe. But uh, I didn't know who to call. And I stormed the federal building back then and demanded answers. My mother wouldn't tell me who our agent was. So I went to the federal building and went up to the people that I'm supposed to talk to and you knock on this door and then you grab this doorknob and wait for a beep. And it it was just really weird. But I went in and said, I'm Jackie Taylor. I'm on the witness protection program. Who's my caseworker? I need to talk to somebody. And I was, you know, you can't be saying that. I'm like, what? I'm in the marshal's office. Why can't I say that? Because you're not even supposed to tell us, Jackie. I'm like, what? well, who do I tell? Who do I talk to? And I was ushered out of the building. And that just really frustrated me. And I was told that I had to be quiet. and But I wanted to know my story. I wanted to <clears throat> find out who I was. And nobody was telling me. Um, my grandparents, we had um, the rule that you can, you can't talk to any family members lasted about a year with us. My mother was always struggling for money. So she ended up reaching out to my grandparents. Um, so we, we broke that rule, you know, way back in the beginning, but my grandparents were even tight lipped about what happened. My uncle was tight lipped. I had, you know, it was talks amongst my cousins sometimes about why well, heard your dad killed somebody. I'm like, no, but, um, I'm kind of going off on my own little tangent, but, uh, you know, that was, that was where the fire first started. When I got into college, I started doing some, um, interlibrary loans with with the Cleveland library and my college library. And I was digging through microfiche. Remember microfiche? Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours of research, which I'm quite good at now, by the way.
0: Okay. Um, I see you, Jackie. I see you.
1: Right? So I'm like digging and digging. I'm actually um, studying to become a private investigator, but that's a side note. But that's where it all started. (laughs) But I was, and it was just digging about, you know, information about myself and my father. And I found a lot of articles and I printed them off and I showed my sister and we were astonished. I stormed the federal building again, wanted demanding you know, answers and I needed my own worker. My passport had expired and I finally you know got to talk to somebody, but then there was no response afterwards, and nothing was done. Um, fast forward 10 years. I have children and their Medicaids canceled because I don't have a birth certificate. Oh. I was never issued a new birth certificate. So their health care. so now my children have no health care because I do not have a birth certificate. Um, I spent two days on the phone with no answers. My last and final call after 48 hours of pure frustration was to the Billings Gazette. And I got a hold of a man named Greg Tuttle and he took my story. And that's when I went public. So, wow. so yeah,
0: public because the witness protection agency and basically the government is so dang flawed that they didn't set you up for like a life afterwards. Kind of they kind of just left. <laughs> oh, God, no. So kind of no, a no. that because that's something absolutely that people probably know. You know, but you know firsthand.
1: I do, and it's very flawed. So that that's my whole fight to this day, um, not to divulge too much information. Um, but I I have a, a lot of people reaching out to me that are currently on Witsec. What do I do with this? What do I do with that? So now I've become a an advocate for them. Did I want to? No, but <laughs> it's my life's work now. And I have to, I can't turn my back on these people because I'm the only one that seems to care and seems to know what to do in certain situations.
0: Right. Well, what do you think that you can do to change it? And what do you think really needs to be addressed and changed? Cause you are an advocate for the uh, witness protection. I mean, for what they, or lack thereof of what they didn't do. Um, and just the fact that it had to lead to like storming uh, government buildings to get t- like to get your voice heard—that's kind of nuts, no? I mean, not that you well, did it, but that you had to,
1: right? To get my voice heard, but but was I ever answered? No, no, not until I went to the media, you know. Right. And that was back in two thousand eight. So, you know, going from nineteen ninety four to two thousand eight with little to nothing from the marshals. Um, I was never assigned a worker. Why wasn't I assigned a worker when I was eighteen? Right. That doesn't make any sense. I wasn't um, watched properly. I had no mental health coverage, nothing, no health care coverage. I was on my own and I was in a bad spot for a while there. Um, and my mom was, um, you know, she, she had her struggles too. And unfortunately, she couldn't really um, help me, I guess, emotionally struggling with her own inner demons. So, um, you know, it's there's a lot that needs to be done done with WITSEC. It needs to be completely revamped and overhauled, if you ask me. Um, There's been no government oversight since, or judicial oversight, since I believe the 70s. So that's something I'm trying to just be as vocal as I can, so possibly I can get the attention of the right senators now. um, This is kind of the time for change, so... Um, I'm just hoping that I'm heard cause I am, I'm not, um, few and far between there's a lot of people out there like me that unfortunately can't use their voice. Like I can.
0: Right. And that's, it's one of those really unique experiences too. Like, is it something that you can attest to? And is it, is it something that you, you know, that they're they still have files and things on like because they could like in theory right so you think of i think of worst case scenarios sometimes in regards to like trying to prove yourself or whatever it is whether it's like right right a thing in life or something serious or not serious whatever it is but always having proof um and i don't know if your family's still around or what they're going through in regards to that that went through it with you but do you have like people going yeah she was in the witness production, or do they just kind of like because i they could toss things you know what i mean like Oh, I don't know what she's talking. Oh yeah, about this and that. And oh yeah, what the hell is going on?
1: You know, I I was snooping through my mom's room, and i I found what's called a control number. So every person on Witsec has a control number. Um, without that control number, i I've had absolutely no proof. Um, with you know, and they can even deny the control number. Oh, what's that? We don't know. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that. But, um, I did have that control number, thankfully, but still, you know, this is back before Google and things like that. Um, I didn't have any proof, any, and I didn't know how to dig for court documents.
0: Right. I didn't
1: know how to do any of that until my father died. He left me all that. And then I actually had court documents from when we were put into WITSEC. Thankfully wow. I had that in my hand. I'm like, oh my God, that was just the biggest relief because up until that point, till 2013,
0: so I did not exactly have it. Amount.
1: Yeah, I did not have any proof, legit proof that I was on WITSEC. There was one little article that I found that said um, something about it, but that was, you know, a newspaper article that still wasn't proof in my hand.
0: Right. So, And you yeah. probably guarded that document with your life. You're like, oh. Oh God, yes. It's actually <laughs> yeah. in
1: a safe, in an undisclosed location, not even in Montana. Um, oh, I have good. that. Yes. Yes. Just in case those court documents disappear someday from, you know, the court, the courthouse itself, I have copies. So I'm good.
0: That's awesome. So you're doing all of this advocating outside of it, but, but what happened? So the last thing we can really cover in regards to yours, cause I don't want to give too much away because people she has an incredible podcast that you guys should check out. It's a really awesome, like suspense, thriller kind of drama. It's it's a, it's a good one, and and uh, thank you. I, I would totally recommend everyone to check that out. But also, a big thing that happened for you was when your your dad had passed away. He had left you something, right. and, and what what did that entail, and what was that all about? How did that happen?
1: Well, it was a trunk full of documents, a trunk full of pictures, a trunk full of articles, um, things that I needed to. Um, you know, when he left it, he told my brother, uh, down in Texas, um, make, if anything ever happens to me, make sure Jackie gets this. She'll know what to do with it. That was a week before he did what he did down there. Um, but it was exactly what I needed and he was right. Um, I'm not doing what he would have necessarily wanted. I'm doing it my way, but I am doing, I am, you know, advocating for change, which is what, You know, the ultimate goal was for him too. Uh, He was denied disability. He was denied, um, you know, a lot of health coverage and things like that, Um, social security over and over again. And you have an angry man, an angry murdering man in the middle of Texas, and he keeps getting denied all this stuff, and the marshals aren't listening to him. And I guess um, listen to the podcast and you'll see what happened. Because it's, it, it's not a pretty story. Right. So that could have been avoided. I firmly believe that. But nobody was listening to that man. And you can't, um, you know, you, you just can't. That That's a whole nother issue. But when you're going to put somebody like Butch Crouch in WITSEC, who's, you know, murdered, I don't know how many people on paper that we know of, I think, Right around five or six that he's been that he was charged and convicted of, um, but you you can't not keep an eye on somebody like that yeah. and well, not listen to somebody that, like that
0: of it. And you're just kind of yes, sweep under the rug. That's not how that works.
1: Yes, <laughs> and he was swept under the rug, and he ended up burning that freaking house down. Yeah. So quite literally. quite literally.
0: Yes, quite literally. <laughs> now
1: I'm going to bust your balls, Eddie. Did you listen to all ten episodes?
0: Not all ten. I didn't. I listened Okay, to to you have to. It's, I have to finish it. It's. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to ruin. I'm pretty it proud I to talk of it. To you before yeah. I could. Oh, you know, okay. I gotcha. wanted no uh, bias. I kind of wanted the, a generalization of what the idea was, which I kind of did when I talked to uh, your publicist. But um, like I was. I, I was talking to my girl my girlfriend, and I just for a side note, I always have to shout her out for every podcast because she listens. So, how's it going, babe? You look so cute. Keep doing what you're doing. Goodness gracious, I can't wait till I see you, when I see you. Oh, um, but I was listening to a moment we to the gym one day, and she's like, what are you listening to? And I said a podcast, and she thought it was crazy listening to a podcast while I was working out. But, right. you know, whatever. She's she's Mexican, so she like dances while she works out. It's not a, whatever. So she can do what she wants to do. <laughs> But for me, I was like, I was listening listening to mine and I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be really interesting. But then I was like, okay, if I'm going to plan a podcast, though, I don't want to go in with any bias uh, or like, or like spoil anything because I'm sure that you've done many podcasts where you're talking about it and you're like, maybe I shouldn't say that so they can actually listen. Cause it is um, uh, basically I'm advertising your, your podcast and it was interesting and I want them to, to know kind Of what, whatever, uh, whatever words you say that they're that going to trigger them to want to listen because I can spoil it in like two seconds and that would suck.
1: <laughs> you know, it's murder, it's mystery, it's family, it's a story of survival. Um, it's a story of using your, you know, m- my mouth is a deadly weapon, right? It really is, and I'm trying to not be that person, I'm trying to use my big ass mouth for good. So, it's a, a story of change, you know, change. I mean, it, there's so many things that this podcast entails. And I have to shout out to Zach Levitt, to Michael Galinsky, to Suki Holly, to David Balance, and to Julie, his wife. You know, we've we worked really hard on this. Zach Levitt is, he took this huge, twisty, crazy story of my life and my father's, and he figured out how to put it together. Um, that it was all him. He put this together. He put our story together. Um, he, he's amazing. He deserves so much credit for this. It has helped me tremendously in my life. Um, it was so, what's the word that they kept using?
0: <laughs>
1: there was, it, was, it was a relief. I felt so great afterwards when we were finally done. It was emotional. It was hard. Um, I wanted to get drunk every night, but I didn't. I stayed sober while I was doing this. That was hard because I wanted to do it right. Um, You know, it was just, it's, this podcast is incredible, but it wasn't me. It was Zach and it was David and it was Michael and it was Suki and it was Julie. It was everybody coming together to figure out how to put the story out because it is an incredible story. It's crazy. It's still crazy that it's my life, but you know, it's. It relates to just about every person out there. So you can read every person out there can somehow relate to different aspects of the story. Um, The first episode had me on the edge of my seat and it's my story, but it's how Zach put it together. He's a creative genius. And, you know, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. Um, Very blessed. He'll always be in my life. (laughs) whether he likes it or not I tell him that all the time and we go a couple weeks without talking and it's like where's my brother right because he's he's really become special to me so he's changed my life
0: that's huge
1: it is um who would have thought that a um, person you know a, a, a producer from Cadence 13 could have such an effect on me and you know and not to leave out Michael and David they've you know we've had our ups and downs over the past 10 years but They've helped me out too. Yes, I'm shouting out to them. Sorry.
0: That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I
1: love them. They're That's my awesome.
0: boys. That's good. That's good. And uh basically just to kind of wrap up the, the episode, I wanted to end on a note of like, what, what's your plan going forward? And the, what are you, what are you trying to work on and how are you trying to advocate and be that voice that you were talking about?
1: I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep interviewing. I'm, you know, I plan on reaching out to John Tester, different senators and seeing if, you know there's somehow that i can get up my, my ultimate goal is to get up to capitol hill and testify in well, front of the senate judiciary nowadays, so, I mean. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately yes i'm gonna wait till it dies down a little bit up there
0: right
1: um but that's my ultimate goal and to make changes within what sec um, what i went through shouldn't have happened my family went through what other people have gone through are currently going through and you know, people that are, are going to go through the same shit in the future. Right. This needs to stop. It needs to change. Um, we're, you know, tightening down on where government spending. Well, we're putting a lot of money into WITSEC and I, I can't find those numbers, right. which is crazy, huh? Yeah. Uh, so secrets, but um, things like this need to be talked about. So, you know, that's my plan is to just keep moving forward and keep helping who I can help keep getting the story out there, spreading awareness because You know, we're like I said, this is a time for change and time for government change. And this is one of the aspects of the government that definitely is completely flawed. I'm here to tell you, my family's here to tell you, and it needs to be changed. It needs to be rectified. It needs to be fixed.
0: Absolutely. And keep fighting that good fight because you're that voice, like you said, in in a very, I don't know if niche is the right word, but a very specific group of people. And so, right. Thank uh, you. I'm super glad I got to hear your story. Uh, your podcast is awesome. Um, go ahead and plug your stuff right now. What, what do you have? Any websites? Do you have a podcast name that you can look up?
1: Okay, the my podcast is Relative Unknown by Cadence Thirteen, um, C Thirteen Originals. Uh, you can find it on any place you listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify. Um, what is it? Apple. I don't, I don't have an iPhone. I'm not one of those <laughs> iPhone people. Any place, any um, place that you get your podcast, you can find it. I use Spotify. Um, uh, help me out here. I can't remember the other
0: ones. Uh There's Google podcasts. There's like <laughs> Thank Google. you. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yes. Yes. I should. Yes. Google podcasts. Yes. I plugged them. Um, But yeah, listen to it. It, Relative Unknown. It's amazing. I think everybody can relate to certain things. Feel free to ever reach out on me or to me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Jackie Taylor, J-A-C-K-E-E. I do have a page up, a Relative Unknown unknown page up on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Hell's Little Angel. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, Do not hesitate ever to reach out to me. I answer everyone.
0: That's awesome. Well, Freaking keep it up. That's that's thank you. One of those things where it's it's kinda hard to relate on my side because I've like I grew up in like California and like by the beaches and like I was very like blessed to like have a normal and a pretty right. awesome childhood. And like it's it's not that I really take it for granted, but there's just situations outside of what I even knew was possible that people like you had to go through. So check it out people That's right. awesome thank will, you Eddie I'll, yeah of course I'll put all the links and everything for the episode um in the description so they can like get a hold of you easy instead of like having to like try to find you on their own um so we'll get perfect that out. But, thank you uh before we end the show uh it's time for the two minute segment this is the uh part of the episode where I give me and my guest two minutes or more to talk about whatever we want so it could be serious funny thought-provoking it could be like what you had for breakfast i don't i don't care whatever you want but it's your time so um jackie i'm gonna let you start if that's cool i usually have you the guest start and i'll finish did did you did you have something planned for this
1: oh lord no um it's okay you but you know so, is cool oh <laughs> let's see <sighs> um this is kind of a, I, I guess i talked about this on another um podcast interview that i did um Mental health. So this isn't, you know, I, I hope it's not supposed to be fun and entertaining, but let no, let's talk about let's be real. Want. Let's talk about mental health. Uh, it's it's real right now. A lot of people are going through things. Um, I did have COVID twice, I believe. I think I had it before the testing was available. Um, I'm tired all the time now. You know, I kind of got in a dark spot. Even somebody like me that's trying to be as upbeat as I can in my life for the you know shitty circumstances I don't like to cry about that just you know move on and get on with your life but every once in a while we're throwing a stick in our spokes and you know you gotta you gotta look up don't look at the ground don't don't dwell on things keep your head up I'm sitting in my kitchen looking up at the trees and the sky right now in Montana because it feels good you know (laughs) don't look down you know, do, do something, go outside, go out, do something outdoors. Um, You know, just get out of your house, get out of your head. A lot of people are stuck inside the suicide. Suicide rate has gone up. Nobody's talking about that. The homeless rate, homelessness rate has gone up. Nobody's talking about that. You know, I, it worries me, but you know, take care of yourself, take care of others around you call on people. I had a really good friend last night that just texted me out of the blue my sweet friend, Roxy, um, just asking how I was doing. Yes. I'm like, actually, I'm kind of struggling a little bit. Thanks for asking, you know, and I don't like to say that I always tell people I'm doing good, but be honest, you know, but this is a crazy time and, you know, it's crazy for everybody, not just, you know, you're not alone. Nobody's alone. So, you know, talk to people
0: there. There's my
1: mental health plug. Because well, I'm
0: I'm crazy because I was gonna talk to talk about talking to people so that's just like I don't even know uh hey guys it's me no I'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> well, I'm all nervous about podcast and I'm like uh, guys <laughs> well that was awesome yeah, mental wellness and health is a huge thing and. What I was going to say, because I've been doing this like since episode one. So, like, it's, it, I run out of ideas super quick, but then there's days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like 10 really great ideas and then I, I don't write them down. And so it's just right. it's frustrating after the fact, but whatever. Um, I was going to say, talk to people in general or just about right. anything. So, talk about like the idea of being willing to talk to people. So, like, I'm a very, like I can deal with stuff with myself. I'm a man. I can do this. You know, I I don't need anybody. I'm good. And right. then, like, I find myself like staying up super late because I've got like 30,000 things in my mind that I can't even like, uh, uh, or, like welcome to my world. Yes. That I can't contain. And it's like, some of that stuff can be talked with and not all of it has to be with like your significant other or anything. That's like a big, mm-hmm. I think that's a really big misconception in like the idea of dating is that like, the person you're with has to be like your punching bag and that's like emotionally and definitely not physically. That's not what I'm, not what I'm saying at all, but like, right. 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 No, I hear you. Mental fit, like punching bag. And it's like, first off, like, that could be kind of like, it's, it's good. To, it's good to do that at times, but like it could be detrimental if it's done too much. Um, right. So I would, like. I'd highly recommend finding somebody that can like either hold you accountable, somebody that you can like vent to and know that it wouldn't like drag them down. But like, there's different ways of healthy communication. And I would, highly recommend it so like i've got like a vast majority of like groups that i talk to so like work friends old friends podcast friends uh you know uh my girlfriend family you know there's there's definitely groups that you can you know relate to and find kind of what works for you and i would just recommend instead of holding the stuff in to talk about it
1: absolutely absolutely shoot i was at the dollar store last week and you know the the cashier vented to me, and that's okay. Vent to yeah. me, and they apologized. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I went to school for psychology. This is what I'm here for. Go for right. it. You and, know, listen and, to pe- and listen to people. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like a that cashier at the dollar store is a person too. That's going through the same shit you might be going through. Don't forget that.
0: Right. And the idea of listening and and all of it, it, it at the end of the day, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like right. You're talking to somebody, and you're realizing that they've got their personal stuff too i mean not everyone's born in the same situation obviously i mean (laughs) that's like that's like anti-foreshadowing with you jackie but that's fine um but that's it's a real thing and especially with times right now it's like everything's so weird in the world uh politically uh socially uh, racially every uh financially everything is just like so off and uh the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because like like you were saying, it's just really, really weird that you're saying what I was thinking, but whatever. Um talking <laughs> about like, not a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of stuff. There's a lot right. of stuff that people aren't talking about, whether it's like suicide rates, whether it's like uh, domestic violence rates have gone up, whether it's like, yeah. um, you know, uh, depression rates and all these crazy like... The like, homelessness. homelessness.
1: Oh my God, we yeah, have homeless camps everywhere. All over Billings, Montana. Really? This is unprecedented holy cow and nobody's talking about it it's it's horrible it's sad
0: yeah not talking so. about things doesn't make sense i just recently did a podcast with somebody who uh, has like a nonprofit organization for like grieving families after losses and like mm. super awesome i definitely recommend listening to it but one of the things that i was like talking to her about was like you need to like it's super important to talk about it i don't like instead of acting like things aren't there so like i've dealt with the loss before like in my family And like the worst thing when I was like grieving through that was when people would like either one, not talk to me because they didn't know what to say or two treat you differently because they don't know what to say, but it's like not saying anything is worse than saying anything at all. Oh my gosh. I preach that all the time. When somebody's there talking to you and like, just being like, Hey, you can even say it out loud. Hey, I don't know what to tell you, but like, I'm thinking about you and I want to be there for you. Like even that would be like, fine. But as long as you like, don't like, don't turn your shoulder to me just because like I'm sad or like don't think it's. And I, I mean, I've told this to my girlfriend a ton of times. Like if I'm what the way that I grieve is I'm really quiet. So it's like, it's very weird for a person like me to be quiet because I'm super like, I'm, I'm usually loud and funny and like engaging right. be like that guy. But it's like, when I'm quiet, it's very weird because she's not used to that. And then a lot of the times in relationships, like they kind of blame themselves like, Oh, it's my, uh, he's mad at me. Or he uh, uh, he's quiet. Cause I mean, it's like, no, no, no. Let's no. let's like, nip that in the butt like from day one like that's just the way that i grieve with stuff and like i don't want you to disappear i don't want you to like think it's you you know there's there's just more be to, there there's just more to be it. sitting just yep and yep. so people audience members and i'm sure jackie can like testify and <laughs> in this it's like the idea of talking about stuff and that's i mean a great wrap-up for this episode is to talk about it like jackie's talking about her story and how crazy it is and how wrong a lot of things happened uh, in the process and her voice is going to be like a huge tool that's hopefully gonna, like revolutionize and change the way that things are done uh, government wise people wise yeah so you're people say that words don't like hurt but words are like super powerful like extraordinarily powerful
1: they are you just have to use them in the right way and unfortunately you know i'm guilty of saying horrible things to people in the past and you know it was detrimental to them at the time and I, I still remember things i said and i'm trying to change that so watch your words too
0: yeah oh yeah definitely watch what you say yeah because like, you can never take it back that's the thing like you can apologize for it all exactly want, it's never going to be gone like it'll always
1: talk to <laughs> people but just make sure that you're not saying anything too effed up
0: <laughs> <laughs> just yell at people we just kind of we the whole podcast <laughs> oh man well, Jackie, it's been awesome. You've been a great, great guest, and I'm I, I definitely again want to advocate for watching and uh, listening to our podcast. Um,
1: Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate that. Listen it's to on. Relative Unknown.
0: Listen to it. It's on. It'll be on. Spread Spotify. it around.
1: Share it. Yes,
0: we'll share it all. And uh, I am uh, I'm just happy we get to talk. So, uh, my name is Eddie. My guest was a uh, was Jackie, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Keep your head up.